Jonathan Glassman is the CEO of Or Health. They're an organization providing medically assisted treatment for alcohol use disorder. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Well, I've spent my whole career in healthcare as a product manager, as a strategist, as a consultant. Uh, but what we do at Or Health is really the combination of that professional background and some aspects uh, that are much more from my personal life, specifically that I've struggled with alcohol misuse pretty much my entire adult life. What started as binge drinking in high school and college became a pattern of drinking to blackout in my 20s. And then as I saw peers start to put excessive alcohol use behind them, the opposite was happening for me. I was having multi-day binges and starting to experience the physical and mental health symptoms of withdrawal on the back end of those. And it was no secret to me over those 15 years or so that I had a drinking problem. So I sought treatment in a lot of the places that first come to mind for any of us, Alcoholics Anonymous, individual psychotherapy, the emergency room without a lot of planning, and pretty much always heard the same thing, which was you need to stop drinking and start going to meetings. And I gave that a shot, but it didn't click for me. What was much more of a turning point was connecting with a primary care physician who had some experience treating addiction issues. And he did two things that felt brand new to me, accepted my goal of moderation rather than lifelong sobriety and suggest prescription medication as a tool in the toolkit to achieve that goal. Those two things worked great for me and I haven't looked back personally. But it also opened my eyes to how much work we have to do for the 29 million people in the United States who have alcohol use disorder in terms of providing them with the same range of effective evidence-based options. And so that's our health. We help people uh, get connected to a clinician who can prescribe safe, effective FDA-approved medication that can help them drink less or quit. So how how old were you when 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 you started the company? It was about uh we've had a, we've, uh, we started in January 2021. I'm 39 now, so I guess 37. Okay. And how long had you from from the time that you saw that primary care doc to when you founded the company? How 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 long was that? It was about 5 years um that kind of I was making this progress in my personal life that I was super happy with, um, but also now and then thinking and even having conversations with individuals um, in, in my life who also had the goal of drinking less or quitting. And I could kind of uh, see often um, kind of the look on their face when I mentioned what was working for me. And, you know, typically they were really surprised that there was a medication that could be helpful to them um, because there's really low awareness of this option. Um, the biggest problem is that less than 10% of people with alcohol use disorder get any sort of treatment. But even among those who get treatment, a minority are prescribed one of the, the three FDA-approved medications. And so the more of those conversations that I had, the more I came to feel, A, there are a lot of people that could benefit from at least awareness of this option. 
and B, there might be an opportunity to build a business around closing that gap. For sure. So I'll be 45 here in a couple of weeks and you and I probably walk pretty similar paths of like recognizing just pretty much everything you described, high school, college, drinking too much. And I have been able to be like one of those people who dialed it down, um, but I could have easily seen myself go in the opposite direction and know plenty of people who have gone the opposite direction. And I'm sitting here completely unaware that there are medically described or or FDA prescribed medications. So awareness is obviously, at least for me, from my perspective, a, a huge issue. It is, and appreciate your your sharing the echoes um, of of my story. I think you know one of the things that jumps out at me about what what you describe, George, is that um, there's no one um, version of recovery. Sometimes that's what's represented to us in the stories we see in the media, um, but there are a lot of folks um, like you who are able, as they get a little older, grow up, maybe make some other changes in their life, are able to dial it down and Mm -hmm. move away from patterns of alcohol misuse that were causing problems in their their lives. Um, And then there's a big group of us that need a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. And that can be in the form of prescription medication. It can be in the form of mutual peer support. So AA would fall into that category, but there are other options within that category too. Things like smart recovery, uh, things like moderation management. Um, it can be working with an individual coach, counselor, or therapist. And so, you know, one of the the biggest kind of probably things that I wish more people kind of had an awareness of earlier is that there are multiple pathways to recovery. Some self entirely self-guided others with the help of someone and even within that help of someone bucket there are numerous evidence-based options some of which are going to be better and worse fits for any individual i i appreciate that it strikes me is i i don't know if i've become more thoughtful if i was always thoughtful but i've been doing more thinking and i think since i had kids which has now been I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and and a baby, essentially, and that changed my perception and just 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 my, pers- my my perspective on the world. But I recognize that there are things that I struggle with, and I'm afraid of doing, and I'm ashamed of having done, and things I'm ashamed of doing, and it does me no good to just be ashamed of them because I keep doing it. And maybe sometimes I even do them more because I am ashamed. It's like the death spiral kind of a thing. And I'm sure that that's very, very, very common. Um, and so I think it's so absolutely, I think that, so that will probably resonate that you're making this available to people in a way that is accessible. I don't know if that's the right term. Yeah, uh, access to safe, effective options is one of the things we think about and try to provide the most. So the the word is right on. And, you know, I think sometimes what we've seen in the more than 25,000 people that we've, we've served at Oral Health is that 
sometimes just taking one simple effective step forward can be the beginning of breaking out of that cycle of shame and repetitive, compulsive, or addictive behavior that you described and that will sound familiar to almost everybody who has a pattern of alcohol misuse. You know, sometimes we have this mental image that things just keep getting worse, 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 worse. Then you hit this point called rock bottom and then things get better, better, better. Hmm. That's not really what I've seen in my experience. I think most of us who struggle with behaviors we'd like to change um, have, are more familiar with a cycle of regret, trying to commit to change, struggling to achieve that change, feeling the regret um, again. And I think one of the things that uh, folks find helpful about any sort of intervention, whether it's going to a meeting, meeting with a counselor, or starting with safe, effective medication from the comfort of their own home, is it can be kind of a, something that breaks that that cycle. Yeah, just moving more towards the solution instead of just trying to white knuckle it on 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 your own. Because I'll just use me again as an example, I am fully capable. Jonathan of white knuckling through things and running through walls. In fact, that's probably something I'm very proud of. Um, but that which serves me, <clears throat> that which feeds me, destroys me kind of a thing because it also directly feeds into, <clears throat> and I'm sure that the term addiction is, is maybe a third rail term, which is why, because it's not necessarily, but certainly misuse. Yeah. Um, I don't have any any problem um, with the with the term. Um, you know, I think um, my my view is everyone needs to find kind of the right words that make sense to them in terms of describing the either the problem they're trying to address or the change they're trying to create in their life. It is true as a field. Um, if you talk to professionals, um, we've moved away from the term alcoholic, um, for example, and towards a term like alcohol use disorder, um, which is the current diagnostic terminology and mm. I think is helpful in that it's defined as a spectrum disorder with mild, moderate, and severe subtypes. And I think that helps to get to um, certainly what my experience has been, and, and, and I think your story um, you know, supports it in some ways, which is it's not really right to look at the world as there are two groups of people alcoholics who can never have another sip of alcohol again um, and must remain abstinent, and then people who have no problem with alcohol whatsoever. There are clearly a lot of us that fall somewhere um, between those two poles. Hmm. And uh, one of the things we try to encourage people to think about is that it's it's never too early to start making a change. You don't have to wait for that rock bottom point. Um, some of our members describe it as I'm seeing yellow flags in my life. Uh, maybe they're not red flags yet, but I've noticed them and I want to change them. And that's great. Um, you know, think of any other chronic condition with the potential to get worse and worse. Do you want to wait until someone has a heart attack before you start lowering their blood pressure and cholesterol? No, of course not. You want to try to intervene uh, as soon as possible. That makes a lot of sense. And it's so uh, so human of us to just want to go A or B, black or white. 
I don't have time for nuance, Jonathan. <laughs> totally. <laughs> There's so much space. All right. So you mentioned um, your interaction with a primary care physician who made you aware of these different interventions. How many primary care docs out there are are aware? Is is that is it an actual field or? You're hitting on one of the main reasons that these medications are so underprescribed and underutilized. Um, and that's not just my opinion. That's what the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism would tell you. Um, awareness, training, and comfort with these safe, effective medications among physicians is not as high as it should be. Um, I've spoken to physicians our age um, who said that when they were in medical school, uh, looking back, they can't believe how little time was spent on issues of addiction, given how frequently it presents in their day-to-day work. Um, Historically, the physician training has kind of shunted off issues of addiction and said, oh, you need to go to specialty treatment. You need to go to rehab. You need to go to AA. Those are all options on the menu. But it's also true that any licensed prescriber in the United States uh, can get someone started on, on these medications. And primary care, the emergency room, these are all great settings um, to, to get started. And so we have a lot of work to do um, to train and uh, increase the awareness among physicians. The trend is in the right direction, um, but still still a long way to go. That's one of the reasons we created Oral Health is we wanted to create an option for people um, who need help right now and can't wait for two more generations of physicians to catch up with the evidence on this. Yeah. All right. So you have gone and sought out a network of, for lack of a better term, of docs that are well-trained and do understand. Yeah, that's right. So we've worked with um, our chief clinical advisor is one of the key, is one of the, is an expert in this field. He's actually done um, significant amounts of research on the use of these medications in primary care and other community settings, as well as practicing in a clinic across the river in in Manhattan, um, where these medications are prescribed every day. And then, just as you said, have built up a network across 41 uh, states of doctors and nurse practitioners who have been trained in the the appropriate use of this medication and are ready via telemedicine um, to help patients um, for whom they're a good fit get started with them. What's with the nine other states? (laughs) Uh, Very good question. Um, The the regulations of telemedicine are complex and evolving, and we take them very seriously. Um, So we have gone state by state to those uh, 41 when our model, the way we provide services, uh, where we have clinicians licensed uh, can accommodate. So we'll get there, Um, but we want to do it the right way. Yeah. All right. So walk me through the walk me through the experience. I, I, I go to the site. Just kind of take me through how, how how it works, please. We try to make it as easy as possible to get started. Folks come to us at orhealth, O-A-R-Health.com. And there they can learn about alcohol use disorder, medication-assisted treatment, the specific medications that are available. 
if that seems like something they're they're interested in. Um, they click on one of the big get started buttons and then are guided through a series of questions about their patterns of alcohol use, their general medical history, any medications that they're on. Um, and then they do need to verify their identity by uploading a copy of their driver's license back to those telemedicine regulations. All of that gets bundled up and shared with a clinician who's licensed in their state. That clinician may have follow-up questions, all with the goal of putting together an individualized treatment plan. That will often include uh, non-medication resources, so uh, forms of support that they may be able to access online or in their community. And then when medically appropriate, a prescription, um, most commonly for a medication called naltrexone, which is kind of the recommended frontline medication for this condition. And then at the patient's choice, um, they can either get that prescription sent to their local pharmacy, or what a lot of folks do is get it delivered from uh, directly from our mail order pharmacy partner so that it comes in discrete packaging right to their uh, front door. Then they can always come back to Or Health and um, get back in touch with that prescribing uh, clinician if they have any questions, side effects, dosing, um, and the results I'm seeing typical or atypical, what might we need to layer on to the medication, uh, things things like that. Um, but that initial get started process, you know, is usually um, concluded within 24 hours. Nice. I love it. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and starting to bring awareness to these different solutions that are out there and the reality that not everything needs to be binary or black and white. And there's a potential that you can change your relationship with alcohol. And if you are seeing those yellow flags or those red flags or any color flags at all, uh, go to orhealth.com, O-A-R-Health.com. And get That's in exactly touch. Right. Well, thanks again, Jonathan. Thank, thank you, George. Thank you, George, for um, using your platform to help spread the word about this option. For sure. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.